This is Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Oh, hi. Hi. And our guest today is Molly Alphabet. Well, it's a 40-hour work week, baby, just because someone said so. Hi. Molly is a country singer-songwriter and native Pittsburgher. She started playing under the moniker Molly Alphabet in 2012 when she crafted a self-titled EP of tunes in collaboration with her special man friend turned husband, Chet Vincent, who is of his own musical fame with his band, The Big Bend. Since then, she has grown as a musician, specifically as a songwriter, penning all but one of the tunes on her latest release, Traces, as well as branching into writing music for film. She has amassed a full band containing some pretty awesome female musicians, I might add, made some cool videos, played on WDVE and WYEP Radio and WQED-TV, which is so cool, and even played at Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day, to the sure delight of Phil, the keeper of the seasons. <laughs> doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. It's like the big time to me. So today we'll talk to Molly about her development as a musician and songwriter, and I hope to find out how she found herself as a country, the country darling of Pittsburgh, I should say, what it's like to be part of a two-musician household, where she finds her awesome outfits, and whether Phil saw his shadow the year <laughs> she played at Gobbler's Knob. So, <laughs> so Molly, let's start with that because it's so easy. Did Phil see his shadow? Oh my gosh, I can't remember which one means winner's <laughs> going to keep coming. I want to say if there's no shadow, that means winner's going to keep coming. And that's what he said. And it was so funny because the year before he had uh, said it was going to be spring. And so the crowd was really angry at him for that because there had not been an early spring. Oh, yeah. And there was actually even like some lawyer they brought out what? who said he had sued um, Punxsutawney Phil for inaccurate uh, prediction you? and the crowd's all booing him. I mean, it's just the most fascinating thing. Can you thing. sue a groundhog? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't check up on the legal standing of that I... case, but <laughs> he was not popular. The entertainment up there is just like, it's oh, it's the crazy. Most surreal day of anyone's life. Did you ever think that that was going to be part of your life? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but that's one of those cool things about Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania is it really can be accessible. Mm -hmm. I mean, if someone like the Beagle Brothers just gets in, gets to know people in Punxsutawney, next thing you know, they're playing on the stage up there. Uh, 
WQED, Slim Forsyth makes a killer TV episode about the country music scene in East Lawrenceville of Pittsburgh. You approach WQED, if it's good enough, sure, we'll play it. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable. <laughs> so you just phrased that as um, the country scene in East Lawrenceville of Pittsburgh. Like there's <laughs> like, words. like there's like a country scene of West Lawrenceville and a country scene of, you know, the South Side or whatever. So what is the country scene like in Pittsburgh? I mean, describe it to me because I feel like that's a, my impression is that it's small. It is small, uh, certainly in the city of Pittsburgh. So it was really bizarre for me because I grew up in East Lawrenceville, which is, okay, 10th Ward Lawrenceville is actually what you're talking about there. Mm -hmm. And nobody when I was growing up there was into country music except for my one older brother. Um, and I came back from college in Washington, D.C., and I had gotten into country music. And I come back to Lawrenceville, and I find that at Needs Hotel, there is this little scene brewing around the exact yeah. music that I've gotten into, the classic country thing. Um, so from my vantage point, I have this skewed perspective as if there's this huge country scene going on because yeah, I live right. now blocks away from Needs Hotel where Slim yeah. Forsyth is just doing this awesome thing, living upstairs of the bar and uh -huh. like putting on honky tonk shows. Does he live right upstairs? He lives upstairs. That's cool. Yeah, he's, he's driving a, cool a school bus at that time and living oh. upstairs at Needs. And, um, so I came back from college and I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, so if you live in the 10th Ward of Lawrenceville, you might think there's a bigger yeah. <laughs> classic country scene than there is. Um, I'm starting to learn more about people based outside of the city. Mm -hmm. You know, in the city, we're almost almost like a novelty act. People do appreciate it, and there's a lot of country fans. But then when you start to learn about venues further out from the city, yeah. we want to start to play more of those. Yeah, I guess that's a question that I have, too, is how often do you play outside of the city, especially if... A lot of, I mean, I mean, agree with you that country is instantly more popular as soon as mm -hmm. you leave mm -hmm. the boundaries of the city. So, yeah. have you been playing outside the city? Or are you doing that already? Not all that much. We've kind of been relying on this niche of other urban and inner ring suburban Pittsburghers who mm -hmm. are into it because there really there are enough. Yeah, you know? and you know, I feel like you are often paired with bluegrass type of stuff. And yes. there is, I feel like there is a pretty prominent bluegrass thing going on. In Absolutely. Pittsburgh. I mean, on a Wednesday night, banjo night and bluegrass night over on the North side yeah. are just packed. I mean, definitely there are people who are into it. So what, wait, West or East Lawrenceville was it? <laughs> East Lawrenceville. East Lawrenceville and the North, north side, side and Deutschtown. <laughs> and Deutschtown. Yes. These are the epicenters of country yeah. Western and music. And then you got to go out. And then you gotta leave. <laughs> yeah. Then you gotta leave. But hopefully not um, for long. I mean, like the more you do it, the more people will be into yeah, we it. All, we end up on bills with indie rock bands all the time. Definitely. And, you know, the, the music community here is so supportive. You know, they yeah they come out and they have a good time with it. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, um, plus you know your connection with Chet sort mm -hmm. of enables you to like have all of those. Absolutely. All of that networking, like you guys get to co-network because, because that's absolutely true. Yeah. And I feel like his stuff could fit in with, you know, with your stuff just as well. I mean, it's kind of, it really does. I mean, the whole, my project Molly Alphabet started as like a spinoff band for him because his band's been together since I want to say 2007. Mm -hmm. And originally they were doing a little more of an alt country, yeah. country rock, a little bit kind of thing, like a little bit of a Wilco sort of vibe. Um, and then 
they started realizing that their strength really lied more in a, in a hard rock, alternative rock, indie rock thing. Um, but we still loved and missed that country vibe. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know, he wrote the first batch of songs and he's like, well, I want to keep writing these kind of songs and you should sing them. Mm-hmm. So you're the voice since it became a spinoff they really do go hand in hand. Yeah. So did, he, did you guys go to college together too? We went to separate colleges, but both in Washington, D.C. You got into country music there, you said. Yeah. <laughs> so in D.C. So is there, I mean, uh, um, is there like no, a big country thing going on there? How did you? less of a country thing going on there. And uh, sometimes I think that that actually did contribute to it. Um, I did love going to college in Washington, D.C. Um, truly, truly did. It's a great place to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't see myself staying there long term. It's really different. Like the kind of heart and soul of it is very different from Pittsburgh. It's a very transient, fast paced, young population. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We probably just didn't really delve into the local music scene as college students. Um, Chet played around a little bit, but what we did see was, you know, a lot of kind of like disco beats, dance rock, and that's cool. Um, But I just kind of noticed that distinct difference. There wasn't any kind of older demographic influencing things Mm. there. And I just kind of missed um, a little more of a rootsy vibe. So even though Pittsburgh explicitly doesn't have that, just the whole Appalachian thing. I think being in D.C. and towards the end of my four years there, I was ready to get back to something with more of a more of a, a roots, you know, there aren't yeah. really long-term neighborhoods like Lawrenceville and DC right. yeah. with that kind of heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in, in a lot of the poorer neighborhoods, which I unfortunately didn't really get to delve into those, but sure. the part of DC that I was in, you don't feel that, that same soul. That character. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I feel that Pittsburgh has got a lot of gritty beauty and absolutely. That's I, the perfect way to put it. Yeah. I definitely feel that vibe coming from you and your music is like your connection to your community mm-hmm. and your location and your family. Like they seem all very, very important to you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it really comes through. And that upper area, I feel like, you know, Lawrenceville's changing a lot right now, but I feel like the upper area is still very, much a neighborhood. I love how there's just like groups of children going around in little gangs, yes. you know, on their bicycles <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen anywhere anymore. No, it's true. It's funny because people, I, I honestly think there's nowhere on earth that people feel so entitled to give you their opinion about when I tell people from Lawrenceville, mm-hmm. they either want to tell me how it's this like overblown, total yuppie wasteland, <laughs> or like they want to tell me that 15 years ago, you'd get shot just for, you know, driving down the street. Yeah. And I'm like, I actually know, you know, the the backbone of the neighborhood is families like mine that are Mm multi-generational and they're all still there. Yeah. And sure, it's had swings, you know, being a little more down on its luck or, you know, you can't deny that, but that backbone has always been there and is Mm -hmm. still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, I just had that same conversation you just depicted with a um, cashier lady at Giant Eagle <laughs> in the waterworks area. And she told me all that stuff about how she, it used to be, you know, because she grew up there. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's I mean, really nice. I love it. You know, it's great there. Yeah, it's certainly it had problems, but how bad could it truly have been if, like I said, all these, I know, I still know dozens of families that all the aunts, uncles, cousins, grandmas are all there. So yeah. how bad could it truly yeah, have been? Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Did you do like, like as a musician, like play music or sing or anything before this, um, 
initial EP of your self-titled debut that Chet kind of came to you and said, I have these songs. I want you to sing them. So did you play music a lot before then? Or was it just like, you also had this like kind of, I think maybe like nubile innocence feel to it too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It sort of came out of left field. I mean, I was 27 years old um, already and no, I hadn't really been musical before that. Um, went to a Catholic grade school and, you know, the Catholics don't get into the beautiful singing as much as a lot of denominations (laughs) do, but it made me comfortable with, you know, your basic following along, Mm -hmm. um, with hymns. And then in the high school I went to, you had to either do art or choir Mm -hmm. and I did choir, but I would always just say I'm an alto and, you know, Mm -hmm. totally blend it. Not, not, nothing against altos, but I never even thought about what I might sing. You know, I just totally blended in, in the choir. Um, but Chet knew just from me singing always around the house and to the radio, um, that he thought I could do it. Um, when I listen back to that, and I, this is true for everyone, I'm sure when I listen back to that first EP, I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Oh, I think I sing. I don't really put that much value on perfect singing. I think we, Mm -hmm. that's overblown in our society in general. But when I listen back to that, I'm like, Ooh, I could do that better, but that's okay. You know, it is what it is. It was a, it was a place in time and I still love all the songs on there, but, um, Mm -hmm. it was, it was a work in progress because the first show we played was the release. (laughs) Oh really? (laughs) Oh wow. What did that, were you nervous? I mean, how did it feel? Uh, I was definitely nervous. It had, it had come out of left field. Um, absolutely. But I was also, I don't know, sometimes I, I think I, I'm missing a little bit of a nervousness gene. Cause I've always just been willing to just kind of get up there and, mm-hmm. and do it. Um, not totally, you know, everybody gets nervous, but, uh, I think being 27 and just starting that would might be really intimidating, um, for a lot of people as, as it was for me to some extent. Yeah, sure. Sometimes I see young people who are already such good musicians and I say, oh man, I got to watch this open mic when I was in Southern Florida with my dad and this kid was there playing all this great stuff and it was amazing. And he was so young, he hadn't become embarrassed by being, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like he was just such a little guy and he didn't know that this could be embarrassing. Yes. He was just doing it. And I was like, you're so lucky. You're going to get through all of that and never, you're going to be really awesome before you ever even get that feeling. Yeah. Just be comfortable being on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you're just, oh, it's just so cool. You know? So, um, do you, so obviously you feel like your voice has improved a lot is what Mm -hmm. you were just saying Mm -hmm. too. So have you invested in your voice? Like, do you, do you have like a practice scheme or do you just kind of, it's always like with your practice with your songs and your songwriting or, you know, the one thing, so mostly I've just kind of let it develop, you know, listening back to, live shows and, and saying, oh, you know, clearly that note, I'm not, you know, you do have to, to mm. work at it some. That note always sounds a little bit funny. What can I do differently there? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I never said, oh, let me do voice lessons or anything. The main thing I've worked at, which I think does translate to singing melodies too, is trying to learn to sing harmonies, which is mm. so, I think, difficult. Yeah. Um, people who, there's a lot of people say at open mics who can just jump up and, you know, you take the third and I'll take the fifth. And I right. just... Yeah. Cannot do that. That takes a ton of work for me. Uh-huh. And I've tried 
to practice doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you sit down at the piano and say, "All right, what's the what's the melody note, and what are the other options for harmonies?" You mm-hmm. know? Um, some people that comes naturally too. I I have had to sit down and put work into that, but I'm sure that helps with singing sure. melody too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Does creating a melody come easily to you? Creating melody, I have to say, does, and I think. A lot of that comes from the way I write songs, which I I suspect is unusual um, just in talking to other musicians. Because I was a songwriter before I ever learned an instrument, Um, I started piano lessons maybe a year after I started singing. Okay. uh, And I've started picking up the guitar like in the past two years, um, more aggressively in like the last six months. Mm -hmm. So I was writing songs before I could play any instruments. So the way I would write them and still do is just walking around, driving around, whatever, just spinning phrases around in my head Mm -hmm. and then sitting down at an instrument and figuring out the chords. I see. So you write this, you write the words and the melody and you have that idea and then you figure out what goes with this. Yeah. And I think, I suspect that that lends itself to melodies because if it's just a melody in your head, mm-hmm. it has to be has kind to of be catchy. Yeah. yeah. It has yeah. to be catchy. Whereas if I sat down with a chord progression and, and tried to reverse engineer it, but I know, I think a lot of people do that. They'll sit down with a guitar and say, all right, here's the chord progression and then try to fit yeah. melody and lyrics to mm-hmm. it. Uh, to me, that seems like it'd be more difficult to come up with something catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, um, I, one of the things I like about country music is that you can have these funny, there's like a sense of humor in a lot of songs. Like a lot of the words are like these little plays on little things and it's really fun. And you definitely, that's definitely represented in your lyrics and it's cool. Um, so do you try to find like the hook first or is it just like a thing comes out and you're like, Oh, that's a hook. I'm going to take that and make a whole song out of it. Yeah. That it's, it's sort of like that. I'll, I'll end up like at any given time I'll have maybe two or three different possible hooks just floating around in my head. I have like a little note on my iPhone, yeah. which is just like <laughs> scrawled phrases. Yeah, and then too. like eventually I'll realize that two or three of them can go together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my songs actually sound like maybe they were, they have two or three hooks and that's because they are two or three hooks that yeah. I just said, Oh, these can all work together. And it's so Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. I mean, that's what you're trying to do, right? That's the goal is to have every line be catchy. Molly McCartney. Um, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, the humor thing, that's, I think my, that's my favorite thing. My favorite country folk singer songwriters are the ones who really inject humor in there, but they're not just total throwaway joke songs, mm-hmm. you know, like, a, I mean, John Prine being the classic example, Dolly Parton, Casey Musgraves more recently, Chris Christopherson, all these people who their songs like will put a smile on your, on your face, yeah. but it's also conveying something. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about um, like mainstream country? Because what you do is a little bit more, I would say, classic. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the sort of the pop stuff that's, mer- it's like almost like merging into into pop music. Absolutely. But it's its content is still firmly country content. Yes. I guess <laughs> I don't know how to describe it exactly, but yeah. um, but like it's, I feel like it's sort of losing some of its cleverness in that in that funny sense of humor way, but I don't know. 
that's that's my perception, but I'm yeah. not also like deep into it sure. like you are. So what do you think about it? I think that um, it's a mixed bag. I think that someone in Nashville, lots of people in Nashville are total geniuses and they realize that they can make this music more and more and more popular mm-hmm. by just kind of mashing it up with top 40. And nowadays, hip hop, if you turn on yes. the, the country stations in Pittsburgh, probably a third of the songs you're going to hear have like a hip hop backbeat. Yeah, and that's just crazy? them being genius. They're like, this is what <laughs> this the is going to make bucks. Like. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a tale bucks. as old as time. Like, yeah. merge the safer music with the edgier uh-huh. music and make it safer. And um, people just love it. And I, I know that growing up, people I grew up with were never into like the pop country. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Like, as a middle schooler in Lawrenceville, I was into like you know. Puff Daddy and yeah. and then like NSYNC and the Spice Girls, like people were not in the mainstream country music, but now like my, my little cousins and, and people growing up, they are. So they have been, the country music Nashville has been able to infiltrate everywhere. And that's, that's okay. I mean, I have nothing against pop music. It's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to a Kenny Chesney concert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was because my, one of my best friends won a bikini bull riding uh, oh, wow. contest that's a at, Saddle Ridge, but that's another—that's wow. how I ended up there. But I had a good time, and then the humor thing—I'd say like same thing. A third of the songs still do have that. It's a little different. It's a little more overt, you know. And mm-hmm. I get a kick out of it, like the tequila makes our clothes fall off, and yeah. I'd like to check you for ticks. I mean, that—that that is a funny <laughs> is song a to me. Like, <laughs> it's really important in the state of Pennsylvania. Actually, right? It's a public service. Yeah, Lyme disease is a really big deal this See? year. I have a yeah. friend who got Lyme disease from a tick in Allegheny Cemetery just at that eye. Check so. your friends. See, they Save. need to be hearing this music then. If they heard yeah. Brad Paisley's I'd Like to Check You for Ticks. Oh, that's a real it. song, huh? That's a oh, real, that's song. A real song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and to me, like, if you're at a party, like, you're on a boat or something, I mean, and that song <laughs> yeah. comes on, like, I can have a a perfectly good time listening sure. to that stuff. Cold yeah. beer. So the humor is, is still, is still there. Um, yeah. but not in most of the songs, I swear, you know, ha- at least half of them are on- just about being country. Yeah. Just tropes. Right. Yeah. And how many times can we write this song? You know? yeah. Apparently a lot, <laughs> Yeah, I guess but so. I'm really glad. I mean, I'm like really proud of you for your lyrical content being more clever than that. So what's it like to be like, you know, a two musician family, if you will, because you're both out there doing separate projects, but they're like, you play with him and he plays with you. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you guys can co-create and all these things. Yeah. Um, but you're also to an outside world, outside perspective, you're two different groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are, are there any conflicts because of that? Uh, I've talked to other music couples who say that they maybe feel a little bit more of that. Uh, I think what helps is that we do sort of run into different veins. You know, we're not two indie rock bands, both, you know, trying to get on the same bills. You know, mm, That's the, a really good point. Yeah, yeah, the kind of shows that we get offered from Only Alphabet are, you know, outdoors at a farm, you know, yeah. family friendly. Um, not always, but... Um, so there isn't really anything to be competitive about. Um, honestly, I can mostly only think of pros to it because the, the biggest thing is having a sounding board. Um, it's a really scary thing to write a song and then just present it to a band and say, mm-hmm. and then, and then to the world sure. and say, you know, what do you think? I know some of the words are weird, like, but if you have like with Chet, for example, he's the first one to hear it and he, you know, pretty much never says 
that's ridiculous. And same thing uh -huh. with when he plays a song for me. But you have that sounding board, and I think that's invaluable for, uh, you know, we're really lucky in that regard that mm -hmm. when you get up at open mic and play your song, it's not the first time anybody's heard it. So you do come off as like a very confident performer, um, but obviously everyone experiences self-doubt sometimes, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So you were just describing that kind of, the, is that the most place where you experience that? Like before you would present it to other people, is that when you most feel worried about yeah, the I'd quality say, of I'd what you're definitely. doing? Just really, I only feel that kind of self-doubt with songwriting. Um, performance, I just always feel like, what happens happens, you know, not every, uh, it, it's just fun. We, we try to put on a fun show. Mm -hmm. I don't tend to afterwards, you know, obsess over, Oh, you know, this went badly or that went badly. Um, I feel pretty good about getting up there and just performing, but the songwriting is where, I mean, I, I, I do think that's, that's difficult to write something and then present it. You know, sometimes the first time you're singing the lyrics, you're kind of like maybe mumbling over a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh, what do you, what do you guys think? You know, like, is this dumb? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where super having two awesome women definitely in the band is great because I do think there's a good amount of feminine tilt to my mm -hmm. songwriting. And, um, that, that helps that, you know, I, that they, react positively to stuff and not that the guys don't. I mean, I, I, for example, I just had a song that's a little more of a joke song called marriage of convenience. That's about like always reading things that men don't help out with chores Yeah, and like Chet and all the guys are in the band. Like, yep. Awesome. Let's play it. You know? So they're, yeah. they're on board, uh -huh. but it's great to have two women in the band who are really on board. You know? Yeah. They said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play it. We need some man, chore men, chore doing men. Or even on a more serious note, you know, like, songs about oh aging as a woman and uh -huh. things like that and yeah. i think if you are presenting that to a band of five men you mm -hmm. might feel even more self-conscious about yeah. it yeah i used to say chet's really good at writing country songs from the female perspective because he is but he wouldn't write the same ones that i write yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so it's just different two different mentalities but um so with your band um you referred to uh Teal, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick, yeah. that is playing keys in your band. Mm -hmm. And Trish and Brogno, mm -hmm. she plays the bass. Yes. And she's very accomplished. Yes. And um, <laughs> Teal's also a great keys player. Oh, yeah. And so how did, did you, like, intentionally try to bring female element in? Or did, how did it happen? So it was kind of half, hmm, I'd say half intentionally, uh, just in the sense that, not with Teal, that was totally um, incidental, happy accident. But as far as Trish, um, when we were first starting this project, Chet had seen her playing at the park house mm -hmm. on bluegrass night. Right. Yeah. And he was just blown away. And she's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like, this would be fantastic. And added bonus, you know, she's also a female and how cool would it be to sort of build a, a partly female classic country band. Yeah, definitely. So Trish, you know, then we saw that she was playing at the 31st street pub and a couple weeks later and we like, guess stalked her out and yeah. approached her. And it turns out she lived one block away in East Lawrenceville. So it was like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so that one was sort of, you know, we did seek her out. We, we were that much more interested in her because she was a female. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and then Teal was in my favorite, favorite, favorite Pittsburgh band, the slow reel, which Ooh. I still rock out to the slow reel all the I time. The slow reel. Oh, heck yeah. And so we just love the slow reel. And then we put together, we toured around the Midwest 
It was called the 10 Day Trio. It was me, Chet, Teal, and uh, Rob Collier, who was in the slow reel. And we just threw together uh, a little um, Chet Vincent in the 10 Day Trio, because that's four people, I guess. <laughs> um, we threw together a, a band. And um, just because we had loved their band, that's how we fell in with Teal. Yeah. And she has kind of the same, same style as us, and it's, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really nice. So how often do you play as the full band as opposed to like I don't know, we used to, you started out kind of smaller, right? So Yeah, we started out, we had um a couple show like the first couple shows were the band. Um but that was just the recording band. Uh they they kind of had just signed on for a recording project mm-hmm. and then that was supposed to be it. But we just had so much fun with it that we kept going. So then we had to kind of reassemble a different band. I see. Yeah, so Started out with one band, broke it down a little bit. Um, I'd say maybe a third of the things that I do are just me and Chet. Mm-hmm. Maybe add add Trish uh, mm-hmm. for for smaller acoustic kind of things. Mm-hmm. But everything else is the full six piece band. So, do you have an an aim or a, like an aim to be solo or an aim to be bigger or like any kind of goals that you're shooting for? Or are you just kind of doing it because it's fun and kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And as it grows, you know, mm-hmm. you're growing with it and all these things. Or are you like, I want to be, you know, No, I definitely, there. I can honestly say I, I don't have any kind of mm-hmm. broader, you know, I want to tour or get on this stage or that stage or this, you know, not, I can honestly say I don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure why it's just it's we're having so much fun doing it yeah and I like doing it in Pittsburgh and um you know obviously I I have a a day job in science and healthcare, and I Uh sincerely you know love that that is my first passion right um so we're just having fun doing it but I definitely have more personal goals I would love to be able to play guitar for most or all of a set um recently I've played guitar at our past two shows on about three songs. Mm, awesome. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to jealous. get that up. <laughs> yeah, no, I am such a fool with a guitar, but I would also like to do that. Like you, you've been, you're, you must have some natural talent for it because, you know, you've only been doing it for a couple of years. Yeah. I saw something you were on sale on Facebook that you did a bar chord and I was like, oh, I'm going to oh, do yeah, a bar chord. Like, man, first it was F and then it was bar <laughs> chords. Oh, I'm like, terrible. I want to do a bar chord. Oh, <laughs> she's so good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. That's, it's, um, that's a great place to be honestly, because then you're probably a lot less frustrated by, you know, things like people who have the big lofty goals can get frustrated really easy because yes. you're trying to go over this thing and it's, it's all this adversity to get there because the truth is it takes a lot of luck to, Absolutely. to get yeah. anywhere. Um, you know, like everyone wants to play music and only one person can be Bob Dylan, you know what yeah, I mean? So, absolutely. And, and I always say that himself. these days, um, everyone's spheres are so fractured that I don't think you're ever going to have bands again as big as, say, the rock bands of the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. Because back then, yeah, everybody heard the new Beatles mm-hmm. album. I mean, yeah. everybody. Yeah. That's not true of almost any band now. Yeah, definitely. We're all in it, living in our own spheres, and we can seek out exactly what we want to hear. Um, so it's just even more difficult now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, I had this is a little bit off... Uh, course, but I wanted to ask you with your recent EP, did you even make a CD or did you just do vinyl 
and online? Uh, we actually didn't do vinyl. It looks just like a vinyl if you saw a picture of it. So you I might did. think that like, that's what oh, I thought. It looks like it's meant to be a vinyl cover. <laughs> and honestly, we, we probably should order a small run of them. It's not, it's not cheap, you know. So. Oh, it's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But you made yeah. so you made CDs then. We made CDs. Um, okay. We we have a a pretty decent demographic who's a little bit older in age who maybe still engages with CDs. Mm-hmm. I still love my local music CDs because I listen to them in the car. Like yeah. that's when I listen mm-hmm. to local music. I'm not good about downloading things to have on the bus. You know, I, I put the CD in the car, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, would love to, to put it to vinyl. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, you know, that cover I did, I was fooled. I thought it was a vinyl cover. It, lo- it looks like it was meant to be. I really should just bite the bullet. And- <laughs> yeah. Well, one day, someday you can That's release right. it like that and it's just meant to be. <laughs> um, but you have a great look on the cover. And so I'm just going to transition for a second to talk about your cool outfits and hair okay. and stuff because um, like you have definitely got a presence in your clothing. I mean, Mm -hmm. like your fashion is really good, especially when you're, um, doing a performance, you always have like these really beautiful, elegant, like classic country kind of look. And uh, like, where do you even find that stuff? Do you travel (laughs) to Nashville to get these beautiful dresses? No, I, so I think that's part of why when this whole project started, I was really enthusiastic to jump into it because I have such an interest in sort of vintage clothing and vintage fashion. I was already kind of doing that. And then when it was like, do you want to do this artistic project? And it also is the kind of music where you can jump in with both feet with Uh the dress up kind of stuff. I mean, if I were playing in a indie rock band, it might be more like, you know, why is she so dressed up, you know? So, yeah. but it was like classic country does lend itself to something I was already so interested in. Um, Gives and you I an excuse find... to wear an outfit that oh, absolutely. is otherwise a little out of place, right? Yes. <laughs> For sure. And the beginning, I, I have kind of modernized a little bit, but I used to do a lot more of actually, I wore petticoats mm-hmm. often. I still do yeah, that. I, I remember that seeing some cool petticoats and I was like, oh, it's cool. You know, you're in the part. Yeah, and you you can't do that with any other kind of music, so it was kind of perfect. Um, But I get most of my vintage dresses on eBay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they're dirt cheap because it's these, you know, women who are cleaning out their closets Mm -hmm. across the country, and they don't know what they have and how much I want it. And they'll be like, $12 for my 60s cocktail dress. Yeah, And you end up with some that don't fit then. You know, that doesn't really happen all that often. Great. And I do love to to scour all the various vintage shops in Pittsburgh, too. Now, that always ends up being more expensive because they've cultivated their collection. Yep. It's it's definitely cold through select things and then it's really expensive because it's like a finder's fee is built in or something. Absolutely. They know what they have. Do you do your own hair? I mean, you must, I guess you must. I do on that uh, picture in the cover that I did not do. I, um, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Beth at Evolve uh-huh. Hair in, uh, in Lawrenceville. They're right at the corner of Fisk and Butler Street. Uh-huh. And um, I asked her to hook me up for that day. And then uh, my friend Mindy Harkless, who does awesome kind of fashion sort of photography, mm-hmm. asked her to take the pictures. But um, I wish I could do that to my own hair. I, I try. <laughs> um, I try things like that. It's just terrible. I just don't have the patience, I think. No. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do that kind of stuff. I try. Okay. So I want to um, ask you at least one last thing, which is about this film that you're working yeah. uh, on the music for. And it's also actually um, 
it's good for this female segment because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a it's a friend of yours, right? Yes. And she is actually trying to focus on female people to bringing in to the project. Is that correct? That's correct. Why don't so, you just uh, tell us a little bit about the movie and your role? Sure, sure. So our friend uh, Sean from high school went to Point Park for filmmaking, I think cinematography, and then he moved out to L.A. and met Jessica, his uh, now wife. We went out there for their wedding, um, and... She is a screenwriter. They both went to film school and she went for screenwriting and she is just kind of generally frustrated feeling. She feels like it's harder for females to break into the industry in Mm -hmm. LA, you know, to maybe get their screenplay noticed or to get um, hired as a director or whatever it may be, or maybe that it just needs to be more encouragement for women to even try that type of thing. Sure. So she wanted to kind of take matters into her own hands and just write her own screenplay and then try to get the funding themselves. And they have a seed and spark for that. It's called what lies West, the film. And the whole thing is just very female geared towards females, uh, especially young women. Mm -hmm. Um, She was just kind of feeling like there's a lot of negativity in the world today. And at the same time, young women are still growing up. So where's Mm -hmm. their sort of now and then like their adventure movie. So that's what it is. It's too, uh, like a teenager and a, and a 20 year old or something like that are kind of paired together on this coming of age summer adventure. And she just wants to involve as many female artists as possible. So they asked me to write a theme song for it. So I did that and they're flying out here this week to make a little video of us. So really? that'll be posted this week. Oh, yeah. how cool. Yeah. Now Tara and I ran into chat recently and we were talking to him and he revealed to us that you wrote this song like, Boom. Like, he, like she asked you and then you said, okay. And you sat down and you just like pounded it out really fast. Is that true? That's pretty much true. It was just right in my wheelhouse. I mean, uh-huh. she says it's about Sonoma. It's where she's from Sonoma County, California. She said it's got a whole like poppy folk vibe there. Um, and it's just this coming of age adventure about two young women. And that's just right in there with all the songs I've been writing recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called What Lies West, and that just kind of immediately in my head, What Lies West? And it just kind of like lent itself to a, a melody right away. Wow. Um, it just came to you. It kinda, yeah, it sounds weird to say, but it definitely just did. Um, and they were thrilled because now they have kind of the song to do with their promotion. We're recording it here shortly, but they will have that. Because I, I, I kind of said to them, I feel really lucky that I had that spark because I think it would be really hard to sit down with the intention. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to write a song about this. What have I got? Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of almost just have to think of it in a more abstract way and just see what pops into your head. I think if I now had to write another one mm-hmm. and sit down to the task, mm-hmm. that would be hard. <laughs> you probably would find some spark. It would yes, come to like, you. Yeah, I guess that's how it works. <laughs> um, so that's a great place to transition. Congratulations on the film stuff, by the way. That's really, you, really cool. It's, it is a unique um, experience and challenge. And so sure. it's nice. It's really a cool thing that you're doing that. Um, but that's a perf- perfect way to transition into talking about creativity. So, uh, you know, we ask everybody to bring a piece that they're going to play and to talk a little bit about specifically that piece mm-hmm. and how they got into it. So, but my first question really is, you know, what is creativity? Where does it, where does it come from? You just described like, it just, you know, you had this thing, it just showed up and you were just like, and you just like grabbed it and put it down yeah. and made it a product, made it real. Um, is that how it always is for you or yeah, more, what is it like? More or less. Um, 
off, usually what happens is I'll hear a phrase that'll just kind of stick with me in my day, or I'll just think of a phrase. Um, it's hard to explain. It could be from something really strange. Like this is a really weird example. When we were tearing apart my kitchen, um, when we tore up the kitchen floor, it was just the dirt. It was just the earth under there. We have this picture of my parents' dog Snurt, and he's just kind of looking over the edge. Mm-hmm. And um, that just really struck me because it was so weird to me that it was just the ground right there. Yeah, right. Like yeah. It's just, there's the earth. There I thought is. I was like, in a house, and but Snurt looked that way too. Snurt was like, "What's up with this?" Like so, <laughs> even <laughs> he knew this <laughs> something's not weird. right about this. So yeah. I kept. I had this phrase underneath your house. It's just the ground, and that felt poetic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up spinning that into the fifth song on the EP, uh, which is called This Is Not a Test. And it's just the whole thing is kind of about, it's a happy song about how life can feel completely, utterly meaningless and chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's a happy song about that. And that all came from like, oh, underneath your house, it's just the ground. Right. So you made an observation and then you were like, oh, I got this idea. Yeah. And you just kind of mull it over in your head and realize that there's something bigger that can come mm. from that. So it's, it's mm-hmm. always like that. Just one phrase that sounds kind of poetic and means something. Mm-hmm. And then I elaborate on it from I there. I see. I see. Are you creative in other domains? Like, do you have other pro- like productivity that you do that's creative, like writing or art or you know visual stuff? A lot of maybe more concrete things, like uh, at work, I end up getting involved with writing when we revamp our website or Mm -hmm. make brochures, um, more so than maybe other people in in my job title do. And then when we redid my house, we bought an old house in the neighborhood, and my dad can do everything, plumbing, electricity, drywall, I mean, truly everything. Mm -hmm. So we did that, and that was just so much fun, you know, just looking at a blank canvas of a room. And picking the tile and the cabinets. I mean, I, I think I've sh- I've found myself to be creative in other ways like, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like the same kind of process? I mean, it's not a phrase, but it's sort of like, is it the same kind of something kind of comes to you? It's a little bit of a vision and Absolutely. then you just kind of like percolate Flesh it, it out. and expand Absolutely. on it. Yep. I see. Yeah. Does creativity, is it like always around? Like if you sit down, will it just come to you? Or like some people feel like it's this thing that comes by and you got to grab it. And if you don't, it's gone. Oh, this thing, I, I got to grab it, you know, yeah. and then I, I capture it and I put it in my phone if I can't do it right then or whatever. Yeah. And it's sort of a similar kind of process. The hard thing is when you have a song that's like 90% complete Ooh, and it just sits yeah. and you're like, oh, this song, you know, it could be done. Yeah. But, but just, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's missing. It's really hard later to get that last 10%. It is. It definitely, definitely is. Okay. So what's, um, what song have you brought for us today? It's called Lick in the Windows. It's the second song off the new EP. Okay. And Lick in the Windows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh At first I was like, ooh, that's so sensual. And I was like, wait, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, is there a reference to Punxsutawney Phil in the lyrics there somewhere? Uh, Okay. So the second line of the song is, it's six more weeks of winter just because that's the way the wind blows. Uh-huh. And it hadn't occurred to me, but when Chet heard it, he was like, that's Punk's Donnie Phil speaking. Yeah. Well, did <laughs> your song. You wrote that. Did you write that <laughs> after? You wrote that after, after performing after. there. Yeah, it was definitely after. So yeah. you're a little <laughs> jaded at um, Punk's Donnie Phil. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so tell us, tell us about how this song, this specific song came to be. Sure. So this is definitely one of those, I have a phrase that pops into my head and I spin it around to a melody and then flush it out from there. songs. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really into languages in high school. I've forgotten most of it, but I was really good at French and German. And um, one thing that always stuck with me from French class is that the way they say window shopping is licking the windows. Mm -hmm. It's fair du lèche vitrine. So Mm. window shopping is you're out perusing and licking the windows. And um, I don't know why that's just something that always stuck with me. And then I was humming that around in my head to a melody and kind of the same thing. I thought, oh, you know, window shopping in general or licking the windows kind of makes a nice metaphor for something I had been thinking about of just window shopping through life, you know, how Mm. we just kind of go from place to place and maybe don't dive in enough. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could more or less say it's a song about window shopping, but it had jumped into my head because of the French licking the windows. So Mm -hmm. rolled with that. Mm -hmm. And you actually, you kind of even spell it out so that your audience really can connect to that idea, right? Like the lyric actually goes something like in French, they say... Yeah, just so they have some kind of idea of what what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, and what is it actually you say? You say in in France they, they say, say if you ain't shopping, you keep walking. You're just licking the windows. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, and then um, musically, so you wrote that with the guitar. So you that was actually one that I had totally flushed out in my head before I sat down at I want to say the piano. That was maybe. Oh, a year ago, probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was less active with the guitar. I was doing more sitting down at the piano to mm-hmm. figure out when I had a whole song in my head, I'd sit down at the piano and figure out what the chords are. Mm-hmm. That might've been the first song that I then picked up the guitar and kind of said, all right, how would this go? Mm-hmm. Guitar just lends itself so much better to yeah. sitting by yourself and playing around. Um, Plus, it's a lot lighter, so you could like take it to the riverfront if you wanted to, or something. Oh, anything. Like, I mean, I'm out. just like laying on the couch <laughs> at some points, and just you know, the piano requires so much more discipline in that way. So, yeah. do you have an actual piano, or do you have a keyboard, or we have an upright piano? Um, nice. Maybe about five, three or four years ago. No, maybe it was even like six years ago. Before, I don't remember. I had just, I would always say to myself, oh, I wish I could play piano. I wish I could play piano. And then one day I was like, if you had started yeah. like a year ago, yep. and this is just something you could apply to so many things. Like Absolutely. if you had started a year ago, you'd be all right by now. Mm-hmm. So I just went like that moment on Craigslist and got a piano teacher. Nice. And people are giving away pianos on Craigslist. Yeah. They're like, please, we will pay you to get this out of our house. So yeah. we got an upright piano. Pianos are not popular. No, anymore. Big and people would want them out of their house. What so. are parents making their children do all the time? I know. Right? <laughs> like a, I mean, everybody I knew had to play piano when I was a kid. You know, playing synth. Yeah, right. Yeah. You will sit down at that synth, play, learn your iPad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you sat down at the piano and you piano, yeah. and you worked on that. So um, now I think there's a. I think one of the things I like about the song is that there's an interesting chord thing you do. I don't know how to describe it without hearing it. It's difficult for me to describe with words because, well, it's music, right? So it's probably the one that I don't even know the name of it. Actually, there's one chord in there that I don't even know. It's some kind of D. Oh, and I don't even know the name of it, but I know how to play it. I'm, I'm <laughs> refraining from making some kind of joke right now. <laughs> um, but, um, dirty girl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but I guess what I should describe is that there's just this interesting way that the song takes a, tris, a twist. So it's it's 
a little less predictable for a second. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really like that element in there. And I guess that's probably because you did that with the melody Absolutely. and then you had to find your way into making that happen with the music. And I think that it's really cool. I think it came out really, really nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. As mm-hmm. opposed to if you're sitting out down in the guitar going, these are the chords that go together. Here's mm-hmm. my chords. You wouldn't land on that one. You might not necessarily, especially, I feel like that too, when I'm songwriting with a guitar, because I'm like totally deficient at the guitar. When I write something, starting with a guitar, I, it's not as interesting mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. am not an interesting guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whereas you hum something in your head and then you figure out the chord. It might uh-huh. be some weird chord. Yeah. This is definitely one of the songs where you can feel the, the female songwriting influence come through. I mean, the chorus is, I like the ways in which my face is getting older, which sounds kind of weird to just say it like that, but that's, that's the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, again and again. So yeah, that's a great a line. example of a, a female focused yeah, perspective. <laughs> it's a great, that's a great line. And actually it's followed right after by, um, I like the way in which my friends are getting bolder. Yeah. I think yeah. is how it goes. Yeah. And I really, that's a really sweet, um, duo of rhymes, but then also that's, that's a really nice line. That's like what I meant when I said your songs are not childish in any way. Like that's a, both of those lines are, very mature, like acceptance of aging. And that's something that like everyone needs a little more of because we're all going to get old and we're all going to get the wrinkles. Silly. I think the fascination of silly, you know, I've been 20. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be 20 again. I've been 28. I don't need to be 28 again. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Actually, I asked at a big family reunion of, um, of a friend's a couple of years ago. I said, everybody was there and I said, what, was your favorite age to be? It's like all these like old people, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, geez, like 40s were great, 50s. Yeah. And I, see? you know, I was like, wow, yeah, great. I have a lot to look forward to. Um, and like nobody said 20s. It's stressful. It's like, you know, oh, 20s yeah. are stressful. You don't um, know anything. You think you know everything and you know nothing. Oh, no, yeah. I remember absolutely. thinking at 23, uh, I, had a house with a washer and dryer in it and we had gone and bought a washer and dryer and I said, wow, I'm an adult now. I have a washer and a dryer. That's real time. And I just like think about that sometimes. I'm like, I was so dumb. Wow. <laughs> That's so not what it's about. It's, it's, but it is about, it is about finding yourself in ways of like becoming bolder. It's yes. true. Like this is one of these things you continuously learn that you can be more and more yourself Absolutely. and more of your opinions can be out. And it, life is more interesting that way. Yeah, people don't actually care. No one's actually, Mm-mm. when you're performing, no matter what you're doing, nobody's microanalyzing the things that you're doing the way you are. You no, know? definitely. Cause you realize that. Cause you know, most people are actually just thinking about themselves most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, as we all are. And so if they're thinking about, if they're microanalyzing what you're saying, they're also, thinking about how it relates to them in their lives. And um, you have no control over what they take from your words. So you just kind of have to put out what is your your feeling. It's just better if you do. Yep. So it's a great, it comes it, with age. yeah, it is. I, I will say, I, I think that country music, that's one thing I love about country music. I think that country music, maybe more than any other genre really lets its female artists age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, people are still, you know, Dolly Parton is still selling out console. Now, that being said, she has the whole plastic surgery fixation, and that's her own thing. <laughs> but, you know, even in Nashville, I mean, for the national anthem, they chose Martina McBride. She's a 50-year-old woman. Yeah. I mean, I think country music lets both 
males and females age mm-hmm. gracefully. They're not kicked out of the genre by any means. And I think yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it is. And it's, I actually, I hadn't thought about it too much about the subgenre specification of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Maybe I should switch to country. I don't know. I'm telling I'm you, up there. It ages, you can age into it. Maybe that'll change. Age you know. anywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's the way it should problem. be. Exactly. That's the way it should be. I'm right? going to change it by continuing to do it. My yeah, rock and absolutely. roll high yeah. kicks. As a 55-year-old later. Yeah, I remember, like, you know, it's so stupid how American Idol has, like, the age cap. Yeah, there's that that viral video of John Lennon spliced into American Idol, and he's singing, like, Imagine, and they're like, "Mm." (laughs) Little little pitching. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. You missed some keys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, perfection has no place in art or life. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, and I really like what coming back to what you said all the way at the beginning. You said that you think that it's um, you know, being having it be perfect is not really the goal. That's no, not where the character not. comes from. And I think that ties back to also your um, your connection to your roots mm-hmm. with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. with your family here, with the Rust Belt whole that whole feel, yeah, yeah. because that that's where that gritty beauty comes from. It's like it's here it is and it, it just is how it is and we're not trying to make it perfect absolutely you know and um it's just a nice you're just a nice well-rounded package <laughs> <Gee, thanks. laughs> <laughs> so let's listen to uh l- look in the windows all right well it's a 40-hour work week baby just because someone says
Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's my favorite one on the, the movie, it is? I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the little um, piece I was talking about is when you go through. Yeah. And I, I just love how it's just, boop, it's just in there and it's really unexpected and it's really beautiful. And then I'm like always so glad that you repeat it. Oh. Right away, because I'm like, I want to hear it again immediately. Nice. Yeah, and um, and so it's nice that you, you repeat that line. It's really good. And the other thing I really love that I was just sort of noticing, too, is that um, you have, like, these, like, male backing vocals. Yes. Which is just so great. Like, I always want to have, like, a like a thing where like I just have a bunch of dudes behind me in tuxedos nice. and they do all the backup vocals like you know like the chicks it. are always having we'll to do we yeah they do, do. <laughs> uh, we should do a Christmas special yeah let's oh, do a Christmas awesome. special yeah. and we'll just have a bunch of guys in the back doing the backups yeah, yeah. yeah chick keeps kind of trying to want to like back away from that a little bit and like have Trish and Teal do that mainly and I'm like oh, I kind of like having the oh no I like it voice in there I like yeah. the I like the juxtaposition and the flip and is that Chet mostly? That's Chet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he actually sounds a little bit like Sean Lennon to me back oh, there. Nice. Like Sean Lennon sometimes does um, like backing vocal. He works with the girls from Cheap Amato. I don't know if you know this group, mm -hmm. um, but he sometimes works with them and um, he'll like do their backing vocals. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah so I really get a kick out of it when, it when I have him singing something that's it ends up being something really, you know, feminine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like on the one, it's he loves me, he loves me not. And he's mm -hmm. all like, that's why he loves me not. Like, yeah, get after it. Yeah. Well, it's been um, a really uh, my pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's also, it's just, again, so nice to um, hear a story about um, all of this, this support coming from some guys. And you're, you're like, uh, it's nice that you're around such a great group of guys and a great group of ladies absolutely who are working together with you to make your music i think more and more as i think the main thing is getting these instruments into the hands of girls yeah. you know so many boys get like guitars for their 14th birthday yeah you know and i think that as more and more girls you know things like girls rock and just seeing other women doing yes. it mm -hmm. i think that's all going to be reworked you know more. yeah definitely <laughs> that's why we all need to keep going cuz we inspire other little girls. Do you get a lot of little girls coming up to you? I'm sorry, I keep doing the interview, but like no, I'm trying to end okay. the show, but I also have all these questions for you. Like when you're playing at these family friendly things, I, a lot of little girls probably gravitate towards you, right? Yeah, it's really adorable because they don't know that we're just other people from Pittsburgh, you know, and we absolutely do get little girls come up and yeah, you're yeah. inspiring them. You have no idea which one of those little girls is going to go and become a musician because they saw you pretty that cool. day. Yeah. It is. It's really cool. And like, there's definitely more than one. So good job. Thanks. Spreading. You inspire me. Yeah, all you inspire right. me too. You can do it. <laughs> we can all do it. We can, we can make an awesome it. podcast. Yeah, we can. Here we are doing it right now. Okay, thank you so much for joining us on Petticoat Roll. It's been great. This is Molly Alphabet. Bye. You've been listening to Petticoat Rule, galvanizing women in musical creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule and on Instagram and Twitter at Petticoat Rule FM.